Monday, and it's another episode of the Wes and Walker Show, another edition, episode, whatever you want to call it, but we are here on a Monday. We hope you are having a good Monday over your way. Keep the text coming, 704-570-9610. Hit us up on the social channels, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, at HTB underscore Josh, at Walker Mail, at West Bryant underscore 72, and at Wes and Walker, most importantly, on Twitter and Instagram. And now it is time to go to the campus. Kona. All right. Biff Poji, we know that the Charlotte 49ers will have a weekly series that will come on ESPN Plus called Mining for Greatness. Poji brought the idea of the documentary to Charlotte 49ers director of athletics, Mike Hill, months ago. And so when you talk about this show, it's going to come on weekly. It's going to document Charlotte's season this year. And this is nothing new for Biff Poji because I started watching. I know a little bit late, but I started watching the other series that he had on HBO Max or Max, whatever you want to call it. But the cost of winning showcasing his St. Francis High School squad in Baltimore. And it was pretty good. And it gives you a lot of insight into Poggi and what he brings to the table. But there will be at least 12 episodes that will be available weekly, as I said, on ESPN+. Plus. The exact air date for the series is TBD. But the first episode will drop the first week of September, according to executive producer David Raven, a UNC Charlotte alumnus and president of development construction and property management firm Northwood Raven Raven whatever the case may be Walker what do you think uh, about the show and what are you going to expect as you watch your 49ers go through the season well here's what I want to talk about really it's Will Healy and Biff Pogey as soon as they each took their job to start their tenure as the Charlotte 49er head football coach they went out and publicized the hell out of this program immediately Mm mm-hmm I thought that might be something that takes a step back with Biff Poggi. Man, I was wrong. Goodness gracious, man. This is somebody that not only is doing cookie reviews, not only is slamming the podium when you only ask him three questions. By the way, a lot of other teams only ask three questions too, but Biff got the attention because he's willing to slam the podium and say that's why you have his last. He's the guy that says he wants to hold riders by the ankles and slap them, beat them up a little bit, <laughs> rough them up. That's, this is our coach now. Yeah, man. Very different way than taking off his shirt in the locker room doing the whole club lift thing. That publicized the university, too. That absolutely publicized the program. It's a very different way, but Mike Hill, in each of these last two hirings, has made sure that Charlotte's on the map. And it takes me back to what Mike Hill was all about as soon as he took over that athletic director job. The old axiom used to be, it's the best kept secret in Charlotte. And Mike's like, wait, I don't want to be a secret anymore. I don't want to be a secret in the Queen City. Let's out, let's get out here and let's be well known, not only in Charlotte, but all across the national landscape. So now you have national publications picking up what Biff Poggi is doing. And now there's a documentary. He's got that kind of pull. And you also have real talent. He's delivering on what he wants to do recruiting-wise. He's at least giving you the four stars. Yeah, he's doing everything you want outside of the winning because they haven't played a game yet. But it's a completely different team. He'll be the first one to tell you. And 
you all the eyeballs you're, you're gonna have a chance to watch this team this year it doesn't matter are you in arizona cool you're gonna have a chance to watch this football team and you're gonna have a chance to watch what's going on behind the scenes that's what i can't get over it's the fact that both of the coaches now have publicized this university in a way that certainly hadn't happened because their tenure had been young anyway. You only had Brad Lambert just trying to launch this thing. That's what I take note of, and I'm hoping the winning and the consistent winning actually comes alongside all of this publicity. If he recruits anything like he did at St. Francis, let me tell you, those high school teams he he had were massive. (laughs) These guys were nasty. Blake Corm was on the team, and they were beating some of the nation's best teams like drums. So I think that he definitely has an eye for talent. No question about that. If you have Max, check out the cost of winning. It'll give you some insight on Poji because he said, and I told you guys in the fishbowl, he relates, he related to a lot of the kids he had from inner city Baltimore. He said, look, if I wasn't coaching football, I'd be in jail or dead. And so that's why you might get some of the rough rider tendencies that he has word to Stephen A. Smith. Now, with college football this season, we've all been talking about how excited that we are about the season that's coming. And one of the reasons I feel like might be at the top of the sport this year, a lot of these teams have turnover. Carson Beck was just named the starter at the University of Georgia. You look at Ohio State, another college football playoff favorite. Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are going to compete for that spot. You go look at Alabama, Jalen Milrow, Tyler Buckner, Ty Simpson, all will be competing for that job. So with so much change at the top for these teams, especially at the most important position in sports, do you feel like that that's giving the sport all the more parity, at least for this season, and creating more excitement? I do think that you're, I do think you're going to have a lot of parity. Well, even just speaking to parity, Wes, we've talked about the ACC. Here we are doing the team weeks, and I'm kind of joking about me being a homer for every single one of these teams. I am the big old ACC homer this this year, and I'm not. I didn't didn't try to be. It's not what I set out to do, but I just look at a lot of these teams and feel pretty good about them heading into the regular season. Maybe this becomes a theme every single year, but it's the good kind of parity, right? Where it does seem to be, we think this conference is going to end the season in a better place than where they started. Clemson has to answer for the quarterback woes that they had last year. We'll see if Cade can do it, but that's still a team that won the ACC championship. Now, Florida State could be on the rise. As much as it's a conflict for me, I want Florida State to get beat down because they think they're hot bleep, but also I want them to be good because it's better for the ACC. This is the mental wrestling that I'm currently undergoing with Florida State. Either way, you have the number two overall pick in Drake May as the favorite right now. There's a lot of parity, and I do think that it's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens within the ACC this year, and maybe even beyond, once you get to the big boy leagues that they like to call themselves the SEC and the Big Ten. Well, that's one of the things that the ACC has going forward this season, or going for it this season, that can help it get back into the national conversation, is the quarterback play. You've got a lot of great starters returning for these teams, and so you can get some consistent play, and hopefully these teams get into the rankings, stay in the rankings if they're not already already there. We got Jordan Travis at Florida State, Riley Leonard, Kate Klubnick. I mean, he's coming onto the scene, but this is not an unknown guy. Clemson knows a little bit of what they're getting there. Drake May. Uh, you can go down the list with some of the quarterbacks in the league that will be playing right now. Even at NC State, they've got a guy in Brennan Armstrong that we are all familiar with in the ACC. So that's going to help the league tremendously, I think. But to answer the question, I think at the top of the sport, when you talk about the Ohio States, the Alabama and all of these schools having new signal callers that we don't know yet 
it's exciting because new stars are going to emerge and we're going to see how it impacts the seasons of these teams. But, oh, you had something no, else? The last thing I was going to say is I don't want to get too crazy where it's like, all right, maybe you could have the, you know, when NC State reached the college football playoff, which is a good team within the conference, and we have so much parity that they could win the championship. But you do see a TCU that's very good in the regular season historically, but then also they get to the championship game. And so you're still going to have your Bamas and your Ohio States and now even Georgia. They're still going to be the favorite. I don't want to go too crazy, but yeah, at least at a different level, at least maybe in tier two, that's where you can start to see the parody, maybe even infiltrate tier one every once in a while. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ out here at the Joe Ma Celebrity Golf Tournament, checking out the action and everything that is going on out here at the Rolling Hills Country Club. We're living a good life, I guess you could say, Walker, huh? I feel like we are. I'm just glad we're here at the action. So last time we did this, it was last year, we were right at basically... We were at the front, like a receptionist. We were. Yeah, we were making sure everybody was getting to their <laughs> spots okay. We made sure that everything was running smoothly. Yes. But we didn't get the action. Well... Look, outside of the helicopter that was, you know, hovering over us, that was no helicopters today. If if you listen carefully, I think off in the distance you will be able to hear the golf ball cannon. So they have a little event at every single one of the tee boxes. One of them, off into the distance, you can choose to pay money. That, of course, goes to one of the charities that the Joe Moss Foundation supports. And then you can shoot the golf ball as close to the green as you possibly can. And it's pretty sweet. I didn't do it last time, but I got to see a couple people do it, and it's pretty accurate, and it's pretty loud as well. So maybe you can hear it off in the distance if you're listening carefully. I definitely kept wondering what that sound was. I didn't grow up in a neighborhood where I had to duck from gunshots, but I did wonder for a few minutes if I was going to need to duck or we were going to need to go somewhere else to shoot. Wait, you were like, this doesn't add up, Rolling Hills? Yeah, I was like, you know, things can happen anywhere. Things can happen anywhere. (laughs) Somebody get mad on a tee, but Uh, it is time to go to the campus. Count. All right, so uh, Northwestern, man, one of my pet peeves is when people are in the wrong and people kind of uphold those in the wrong. Now, allegedly, Pat Fitzgerald did not know anything about all of the hazing and things going on at Northwestern, but a group of former Northwestern athletes has sent an open letter criticizing university administrators for a lack of due process before the firing of football coach Pat Fitzgerald, saying it, quote, left a welcome mat out for the weaponization of sexual harassment hazing and racism allegations at the school. The letter obtained by ESPN is signed by 86 ex-Northwestern athletes, including several of former football players who played for Coach Fitzgerald. The group focuses on University President Michael Shield and Athletics Director Derek Gregg, saying both displayed a clear failure of unbiased and principled leadership. And they said Shield and Gregg should be fired. The former athletes contend if they don't, quote, positively support our athletic programs with due process and release the findings of an investigation Northwestern Commission into hazing allegations from a former player under Fitzgerald. My thoughts is this. 
For one, I don't believe that Fitzgerald did not know anything because I just think that coaches are too much uh, of the taskmaster type not to know everything. You can't tell me somebody didn't relay something to somebody and somebody didn't tell somebody, hey, have you heard about what's been going on with these football players and, and, and what they're doing? And then the word didn't come back to any of the coaches where they said, maybe you ought to look into it. Maybe they were dismissive or whatever the case may be. Or you're talking about a situation to me, you still should be fired if you didn't know about it, because that means you need to do a better job of policing your program. I don't know how this could be going on as long as it was and you know nothing about it. I think the second part of that is where I'm going to focus, too, because let's just say he does, doesn't know anything about it. There is a failure to monitor punishment right. that these coaches have to reap the consequences of if they do not know anything like the hazing at that kind of level that was going on within their program. They talk about a partially broken culture. Yeah, you're responsible for all of it. That's why you get sure. paid a ton of money. Exactly. It doesn't matter if it's partially broken culture. It doesn't matter if Northwestern is one of the prestigious universities, man. In fact, if you were to argue that they are so prestigious, then you might argue that they're as responsible and even more so as much as every other university out there to make sure nothing like this happened and something did. You can get a lot of signatures, but... It's not about the guys that weren't affected within this football program. It's about the athletes that were affected within this program. And then if they feel like this is the right decision, and if actually you went through this investigation and found that you had reason to fire Pat Fitzgerald because he didn't have everything taken and, and under control, mm -hmm. then look, I'm sorry. You can get all the signatures you want to, but it ain't about them. It's about the people that were affected on your watch. Correct. And even if you don't know, that's where the failure to monitor comes into play. I agree with you 100%. Well, we've been talking about the Charlotte 49ers, Biff Pogey, all of the rah-rah that he's bringing. But there's also some other new stuff coming to the games. Walking, when you go to the first game, I'm sure you may partake in some of this. But Norm's Tavern locations throughout the stadium are going to showcase a new lineup of creative food options. And the big star of the group is the Pogey Pit beef sandwiches. Mm. There's also going to be new features such as a donut chicken sandwich. <laughs> oh, Peruvian so favorite uh, Salad Chipapa. I know I might not have pronounced that right. <laughs> I don't know if you did either. Crispy, crispy <laughs> mac and cheese bites and a re-inspired soft pretzel <sighs> with queso. And additionally, the salty donut food truck will have a location inside the stadium offering fans numerous options outside of their usual game day favorites. All this food sounds like Biff Pogey sign of approval type of options. I think this is exciting. I think it's cool. Uh, Walker Mel, are you going to be partaking in this when you go to the game? I because have, this sandwich yep. looks phenomenal. have zero problem at taking part in every single one of those food options that you mentioned. Now, the problem is if you get addicted to it and you keep eating it, that's when I'm going to be in some real trouble. But I have no problem eating a donut chicken sandwich at least once and then trying all the other menu <laughs> items. Here's what I want to focus on. Big shout out to the Charlotte marketing team, because not only are you embracing the kind of character that Biff Pogey is, but here, if you go to charlotte49ers.com, it is the link that you provided for both of us to be able to do some research on the menu items, the hard-hitting research on donut chicken sandwiches. Yes. The first thing you see outside of the headline is a picture 
of Biff Pogey staring off into the distance with his cutoff shirt on and the sunglasses. The only thing missing is a cigar in his mouth. If you had the cigar, then you would have gotten every single one of the boxes checked on what you need to do to market this man. Love everything about it. Big shout out to the Charlotte 49ers marketing team. And yeah, I'm going to try every single one of those menu items that you just mentioned. What they need to do is, you know, I used to have a little show where Scott Reigns. They need to have us out there. You can be uh, my guest and then we'll have a quick uh, internet version. Please We can try all of the new foods and gas them up even more. And before we get out of here in the campus corner, Tennessee, the volunteers, they are getting pretty creative about their NIL collective and how they're going to get the bag to give to the recruits. Tennessee's NIL collective, the Vol Club, has released its own vodka. They will receive 25% profit from each bottle sold. Quote, as supporters enjoy a glass, they also directly contribute to the future success of Tennessee athletics. That is a very creative way to get some Skrilla to go into your NIL pot, and they can enjoy themselves and get a little loosey-goosey while they do it. That bottle looks pretty fire, too. <laughs> it does. It's Please go look made. it up. It I, I'm all about good. the pictures right now. Fire. The pictures are doing a great job at marketing what these products are. But you are right. This is a great way to start to you know find a little, uh, find a couple of coins in the couch cushions and to make sure that you're getting some more money pumping in there because you're right. People that want to go watch some college football, most likely, a lot of them are going to be drinking, too. Oh, no doubt about it. The Tennessee Driven Collective announced plans for this and the retail price of it is going to be $24.99, so very affordable. $24.99, 25% off of every bottle sold is going to help the NIL collective. So very interesting way to get that dough up from Tennessee. And I can't wait to see what other ideas schools are going to cook up to try to help get more money into these programs. Wilson Walker Show, Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Hit us up on the text line, 704-570-9610. Hit us up on the socials, WFNZ Twitter and Instagram. Also, at West Bryant underscore 72, at Wesson Walker, at Walker Mail, and at HTB underscore Josh. I didn't even see this question, by the way, on Campus Corner. (laughs) I didn't even see it. (laughs) More Clemson, baby. It is the Clemson hour. Sometimes it just happens like that. Conversation makes us continue to drag something out. And, well, here we are with the DJU question once again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this will be a little bit different, though. Uh, We'll get to do a little bit of comparison. But starting out... Let's get into the campus. Hona. All right. According to an article by Kyle Bonagura of ESPN, Reggie Bush is filing a lawsuit, defamation lawsuit to be exact, against the NCAA. Former USC running back Reggie Bush, as I said, filing said suit according to his lawyers, quote, the lawsuit is based on the NCAA maliciously attacking his character through a completely false and highly offensive statement that was widely reported in the media and substantially and irreparably 
damaged his reputation, according to a statement from the law firm McCathern PLLC. The NCAA statement in question was issued to ESPN along with other media outlets on July 28, 2021, in response to an inquiry about the possibility of Bush having his records and participation restored in light of changes to name, image, and likeness rules that went into effect earlier that month. Because if he is able to have his records restored, then that means he could get his Heisman Trophy back. What do you think about that? Do you think that the NCAA should uh, go back and retroactively take off those sanctions, bans, whatever it was that Reggie Bush had so that he can get his Heisman back? Well, I mean, especially because I never agreed with it in the first place. So, yes, I think he should get his Heisman back. And then you see this from his representatives, the NCAA statement completely false and highly offensive. The McCatherin statement said, as you mentioned, the NCAA knew Mr. Bush was never even accused of, involved in, much less sanctioned for any, quote, pay-for-play arrangement, which never occurred. And this is the definition lawsuit that is coming into effect and so i do hope that reggie bush is able to get his heisman back because also it's not really that big of a deal that's why i want him to get his heisman yeah i hope so too i mean like you said with everything changing now but i feel like is it also a situation to where if they did go back and retroactively change that then they would have to go back and do other stuff for other people who got in trouble for benefits and things of that nature like that would be the interesting part with this open up pandora's box for them to go back to these NCAA cold cases, for lack of a better word, and restore uh, other things that have been taken from other players. Well, I mean, I guess it just depends on even... So, Reggie Bush and his representatives are arguing that it never happened. So, if everybody else actually did do it, and they just got found out on a pay-for-pay arrangement with whoever was giving them improper benefits then they might not have a leg to stand on and you have to say those are the rules you can't win this thing back but all of this is defamation according to reggie bush and his representatives saying no it never happened this pay for play thing it never took place but the investigation that the ncaa put forth on reggie bush they did say that he was a student athlete and accepted cash travel expenses a home in the san diego area where bush's parents lived rent free for more than a year and that for which they were provided ten thousand dollars to furnish and so that was what the actual investigation found out well also too they can just go ask LaShawn mccoy because if you saw him on i am athlete uh, i believe it was last year he basically spilled the beans on the whole usc program and talked about all his different perks that he was a witness to when he was on his visit to Southern California, including oh, nothing Reggie we didn't Bush know. in the crib. Right. <laughs> yeah. Nothing we didn't know. So, yeah, so it was very interesting. But uh, off the back of our last conversation, according to the Oregonian, former Clemson and five-star quarterback DJ Uyangalale was named the starter for the Beavers. We know about everything that he did at Clemson before being replaced by Kay Klubnik, who will start this year. And so now, to put a little twist on the conversation, who do you think will have the better season, DJU Arcade Club? No, I guess it is interesting. I heard Michael Felder with Kyle Bailey yesterday discussing how Oregon State isn't getting enough love and how they're kind of the Duke of well. the Western Conference because you're talking or the Western side of the country because you're talking about Oregon State coming off of a 10-win season. You do have a different QB now with DJU, but DJU is someone that helped Clemson was the quarterback for Clemson when they won an ACC championship, even if he wasn't the QB during the actual ACC championship game. 
He ran for a decent amount of yards last year, DJU did. 545 yards for DJU. You look at him on having double-digit attempts per game, but the yard, the average wasn't great. I do wonder if they try to utilize his legs to the same degree, maybe more so. I don't know much about the Oregon State offense. Forgive me. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Cade Klubnick. I, I believe in the offensive coordinator and Garrett Riley coming over. And when Big Cat Dan brought up Max Duggan, did you see the jump that Duggan had from two years ago to what he did last season? Yeah. Monster year. Just a monster leap. So I'm not saying Cade would have a 1,600-yard difference. There were five more games that Duggan played by the help of the college football playoff and seeing some of those touchdowns go up because of the amount of games that he played. I just think Cade Klubnick is going to have the better of the year compared to DJU. I would go with uh, DJU. I'm gonna say that he's gonna have the right. better year because I think that uh, you know he had some he had some solid games for Clemson last year, but I think him finally being in an offense that he feels comfortable in, being in a, a West Coast guy, loving the West Coast system. Uh, I think he goes out there to an Oregon State program that trajectory is pointing up, and I think that they're gonna put him in positions he's comfortable with, and I know that he's gonna have a big. Uh, chip on his shoulder to go out there and prove a lot of people wrong. Uh, so I think it's going to be fascinating to see the outcomes of both of these quarterbacks because they're going to be linked. And so if DJ is to go on and have a fantastic season, then I wonder how that will look in the eyes of Clemson fans, especially if Cade doesn't play up to uh, expectations that he has. So it's going to be another fun storyline to look forward to nonetheless as we watch him from afar but he's definitely giving me a reason to watch Oregon State football games I'll tell you that Here on the Wesson Walker Show. Yes, I said Thursday or Thursday, whichever way you want to say it. But uh, either way, we're getting close to the end of the week, closer to another Panthers game on Friday against the Detroit Lions. Hit us up on the text line, 704-570-9610. Hit that follow button on the social medias, the Wesson Walker page, mainly on Twitter, Bryant underscore 72 HTB underscore Josh and at Walker Mail on Twitter and Instagram and the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram. But now it is time to go to the campus. Kona. All right. Guys, it's looking like this is going to be a thing. The inclusion of Cal, Stanford, and SMU looks like it could be inevitable because it's being discussed yet again. And the inclusion of all three of these schools is being heavily discussed in part because they would come with significant financial concessions from each of the schools according to sources. The conversations within the ACC this week revolved around how that additional money would be distributed among conference members. Small group of ACC presidents met on Wednesday morning to discuss different ways to divide that money. More meetings are expected this week to talk through the various ideas and models, but no determinations have been made yet on what that would look like. A vote of 12 of the 15 ACC schools is required to improve the additions, and just one new positive vote is needed among the block four, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Clemson, and Florida State that has indicated dissent against the move in prior meetings. One vote of those four is needed, assuming all of the yes votes are aligned with the financial model. So, 
I mean, guys, it feels like to me this thing is happening. I mean, I'm okay with it at this point, especially with the fact that these schools could be coming in with financial concessions and that money will be redistributed to keep some people happy so that they will stop complaining. But what do you guys think about this, starting with Walker? Well, I mean, SMU is begging to be in the ACC with their concessions. Having not anything beneficial to them financially for seven years being a part of the ACC, they're just begging to be a part of what is considered a Power 5 conference, and they they just want to be invited to the party, even if they don't get to go home with a gift bag like everybody else. And to me, the reason they're doing that is because SMU is just not enough of a TV draw right now to where it benefits the ACC. It benefits SMU to be a part of the ACC, even if it financially isn't beneficial to them. But Wes, I think if you're talking about the Atlantic Coast Conference, what is the benefit for them? And I just don't know what the benefit is to include an SMU right now. So yeah, they can they can have all the concessions in the world. They can say, oh, no, we're good. We don't need this money. I just need to know how beneficial it is to the ACC. And same thing goes to Cal and Stanford. I've mentioned this point a million times. Cal and Stanford, tremendous academic schools tremendous in the way that they care about academia more than a lot of the public schools but maybe not as uh, maybe not so far more than duke and wake forest and these other private institutions amidst the acc that want to help a fellow counterpart that want to help a school that hey they're like me they're just out there on the west coast but football wise that's what we care about that's what we're talking about right now I'm not talking about science class. I'm not talking about what the overall GPA is for any of these schools. And we're not doing rank radio discussing what schools are the best when it comes to overall GPA. We're talking about college football. And that is what is the moneymaker here. And so that's to me, is going to be the reason. Is it beneficial for the ACC to bring in these three schools? And I wonder if they're ever going to focus on that as much as focusing on the academic part of it. And right now, the reason that this thing has life is because of the academic part. And so, you know, Joe obvious told us, right, we shouldn't have any confidence in the decision makers because they're not worried as much about football. And that's the only reason this conversation has life. All right, Fiddy, what do you think about this as an ACC purist? I just I don't see how Cal, Stanford, and SMU is going to raise the profile of the ACC. This is the problem when you have when you don't have a visionary leading your conference. While the SEC and the Big Ten were gearing up in the arms race, Jim Phillips sat idle and did absolutely nothing. No one gives a damn about Cal, Stanford, and SMU. Which is why they are in the position where they were. They're begging to join the ACC. And so, you want to go ahead and add them? I mean, go ahead and add them. No one cares about the regionality of these conferences anyway. But does it make the conferences standing? Does it, does it improve the conferences standing nationally? No. Because how many people in California give a damn about ACC sports? How many? Yeah, this is very true. So, uh, we talked about the... Swamp Kings documentary, and we talked about Urban Meyer especially, but I have to agree with him on a point uh, that he brought up. This is something I'm getting tired of as well. The old not playing nobody narrative, especially with teams at the top of college football. Urban Meyer said, quote, I just think the NCAA should mandate scheduling. When I see Michigan and Georgia's preseason schedule, I just think with this 12-team playoff, if I'm the head coach at Ohio State, I could care less about my preseason schedule, the non-league schedule, that he told Tim May during their podcast for On3. He said, why would Ohio State play Notre Dame anymore? And so in the article, they point out the fact that Georgia's playing Tennessee Martin, Ball State, and UAB 
this season to go along with traditional rival Georgia Tech. Ohio State will play Youngstown State and Western Kentucky, but they also have Notre Dame. And then Michigan's got East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. And I just have to say, even as a Wake Forest fan, the non-conference schedule, Elon, Vanderbilt, and Old Dominion, because Notre Dame I don't count because they're kind of ACC, but Elon, Vanderbilt, and Old Dominion, I'm just not interested in these games. I mean, I would love to see, I believe, the model that Urban talked about. He says, I think you should play a premier school, a middle school, and then you can play a smaller school, he said. But I think there should be some type of mandate. I agree with this 100%. Yeah, I, the, the only problem is, you know, with some of these other schools that you're talking about, I wonder how much money they're losing out on when among these bigger schools send them a paycheck and those guys get the experience. I totally understand that you want better competition. The other thing is, it does take some of the strategy out. Now we're going to have 12 teams that make the college football playoffs, so some of it is pretty negligible. But at the same time, it was interesting to see the strategy, especially we can go to March Madness. When college basketball teams didn't have a strong non-conference schedule, or when college football teams, they don't have a strong non-conference schedule, and then they get left out, and then they want to boo-hoo and complain, but they didn't schedule anybody. Sometimes they can point to the fact that nobody wanted to play us. Sometimes. But the other times, they just wanted to have the cupcakes before they actually got into conference play to better their chances of going with a one loss or two loss season. So I'm interested to see if the strategy is affected there. But of course, we all want good college football matchups. And if it does go this way, then what we're going to see is, you know, fairer matchups between some of the powerhouses that you have in college. Yeah, I mean, the fans deserve it. You want to see big matchups to start the season. You don't have to play three powerhouses, but at least give me something, especially when you are at the top of the sport. I would love to see Georgia take on a USC or some type of dream matchup like that. Friday on the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the text line 704-570-9610. Hit up those socials. Hit that follow button. Most importantly, on the Wesson Walker Twitter page. Also the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram at Walker Mail at West Bryant underscore 72 and at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram as well. And now it is time to go to the campus corner. All right, folks. Ever since Archie Griffin became the first man to win two Heisman trophies, everybody has been trying to find the next guy that will be able to do that feat. I feel like that's one of those sports things that will uh, I don't know if I'll say never be broken, but you have fatigue, you have so many factors. But article came out, David Purdom of ESPN, USC quarterback Caleb Williams, the consensus betting favorite to win the Heisman Trophy again. Williams enters his junior season as the Heisman favorite at all U.S. sports books. He is listed with a 15 with 15 to 4 odds at Caesar Sportsbook. No other player has single digit odds. LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels is 10 to 1. Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers is 14 to 1. Michigan quarterback JJ McCarthy leads a group of six quarterbacks 
with odds of 16 to 1, including North Carolina's Drake May, Florida State's Jordan Travis, and Clemson's Cade Klubnick all have 16 to 1 odds. So I will ask for one, do we think Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman again? How strong of a chance do we give him? And then out of the ACC quarterbacks, and I'll also throw Sam Hartman, former Wake Forest quarterback, now Notre Dame's quarterback, into the mix at 16 to 1. One, will Caleb Williams do it again? And if you had to bet on any of the other four, including the three ACC quarterbacks and the ex-ACC quarterback and Sam Hartman, which one of those would you choose? Um, so if we're going to take Caleb Williams or the field, I would take the field because it's so hard. As yeah. you just said, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I wonder just how much voter fatigue goes into it. We could have given Lamar Jackson. Had their record been a little better, I don't remember the second year Lamar was really good, what their record was. I just remember the stats were incredible, but because you felt a little cheated with Lamar and Louisville not being the greatest team anyway, and you gave it to him the first go-around, it felt like fatigue was a real factor in why Lamar didn't get it a second time, but I digress. Uh, I think... If you look at some of the favorites here, you mentioned some of them here. Jaden Daniels has a real shot. If you believe in LSU, Brian Kelly is a good enough coach to make you a favorite there. So I like Jaden Daniels. Drake May certainly going to have his shot. I mean, Daniels would probably be the guy I go to because I think winning has to be a part of all of this. And so if you feel like LSU is going to be a college football playoff contender, and you have a QB that can rack up the rushing yards and be able to throw it, especially with a bright mind, to be able to come up with the resume around you. We've seen this with Lincoln Riley. Okay, You get a dual-threat QB with one of the best, smartest offensive minds in all of college football. That's a pretty damn good recipe to go out there and be the best college football player in the country. So if you're Jaden Daniels with LSU and Brian Kelly at the helm, then yeah, I think that would probably be a guy that i go with. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but I asked you which ACC guys, an ex-ACC guy, would you go with out of the four-pack that I gave you? Well, Drake May has to be the bet. answer, right? Uh, who's going to be, who's going to, Drake May's the answer. Well, it could be. But if Jordan Travis and Florida State have the type of year that people think that they could have, he's really hot right now. He is fuego. And I don't know that Carolina will have the type of season that could put them in the grasp of the college football playoffs because that's what I think it's going to take for any of these guys to get to New York. I think that's prerequisite number one unless you just have a ridiculous season. But I don't know that Carolina's going to have that type of season. If I had to pick one, and again, I'm not the biggest Jordan Travis fan, I, I like his talent, but if Florida State has the type of year that people think that they could and he plays really well, I would pick him out of that four-pack. But you don't, right? No, so, I don't, but I'm but just saying that, means, that hypothetically, the best chance to me, because I just don't think Carolina's going to have the type of season. I just said if Florida State had that type of season, well, Jordan Travis, to me, would be the best bet out of those guys. So best based off of Wes's reality. Based off my... Based who's off, got the best shot? Because you don't think Florida State's going to be great. Hell, if I had to, off my own merit, I don't think any of them are going to be there. But and if I had to I pick one, Daniels. but if I had to pick one, but I gave you a four-pack. I didn't put <laughs> Jane Daniels in the four-pack. If I had to do it, then my own four pack. just off my own merit of what I think of all these guys, Drake May, to me, has a chance to have the gaudiest stats. So I'll go with Drake May. 
All right, what do you Fitty, think? What do you Fitty? think? You were grabbing the mic. Well, I mean, I was just coming to say, like, I mean, the the Heisman is a playoff award. You've only had two quarterbacks win the Heisman Trophy that weren't on playoff teams, and Caleb Williams did it last year. Is one of those guys, and so I think that's what makes it hard. It's like if Carolina is not a playoff contender, which none of us think they're going to be. Drake May was nine and one a year ago, and he wasn't even the favorite to win the Heisman. What would make you think he'd do it this year? I think Jordan Travis is the only guy that, even if FSU is not a playoff team, because of the program that he plays for and the way that he will be marketed, if they go ten and two, eleven and one, and they lose the ACC title game, that's the guy that I think has the best shot to win the Heisman Trophy. But I'm going to go out on a limb here. A little bit of bold prediction before college football season. I think he's going to do it. I think Caleb Williams is going to be the guy. I think that so do I. when you look at this schedule, I mean, the marquee games, because the Heisman is all about moments. Uh, who knows what Colorado is going to be by the time they get there. But the start of their season is really favorable. When you're talking San Jose State, Nevada, Stanford, Arizona State. But down the stretch, he's got Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, and Oregon. Uh, four games that could really, if he's dominant and USC wins those games because I think they're going to the playoffs. So I think they win those games. I think his numbers are going to be crazy. Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think Caleb Williams is going to repeat this year as the Heisman Trophy winner. There's one thing I want to address, too, because Sam by the Lake on Twitter, or on, excuse me, on the text line, said Will Shipley, as a dark horse Heisman candidate, could be amidst this as well. Mark Ryan said that there's a good shot that he could go to New York. I don't see it with Will Shipley. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm saying it's really hard for a running back to get there. And we're about to have him on, by the way. We're about to have him on in just a couple of minutes. I just think it's so hard. Like, it's such a quarterback-driven award. Devontae Smith had to have... you got to push 2,000, y'all. I mean, it's nuts, right? And so if we think that this offense, where Garrett Riley can spread the ball around, and Cade Klubnick is coming in, and he's going to steal a lot of the attention... I just think it's going to be hard for Will Shipley to do it. Now, maybe some of the receiving yards would propel him to do it. That would be the reason as to why he could be a dark horse. I just go to it's all centered so much around the quarterback. When we go to running backs winning it, we go to the Alabama guys that that's their identity. It's their style of play. Let's hand it to Derrick Henry. Let's hand it to Mark yeah. Ingram and just let them tote the rock, you know, 25, 30 times a game and rack up, you know, 2,500 yards. Yeah, he was the last running back to do it. 2,219 yards rushing, 28 touchdowns. That's the type of numbers it's going to take to be able to do that. And real quick before we get out of here, uh, any week zero games of note for you guys, there's Navy and Notre Dame. They play at 2.30 on Saturday, so you get to see uh, Marcus Freeman and the crew get ready to play them in Dublin, Ireland. And then we also get to see Caleb Williams start his Heisman campaign, 8 o'clock p.m. on the Pac-12 network. USC will take on San Jose State. So uh, were there any games? I mean, I, I know the. Uh, I'm just happy for one, college football is back this weekend, but I'll definitely be uh, checking out Navy and Notre Dame and I'm going to check out Caleb Williams uh, as well. If I had to choose, I would go Caleb Williams because of the Heisman contention, but it's tough. Yeah, I want to see Notre Dame because they had that slow start to start out the season last year. So how are they going to come out in year two under Marcus Freeman? How's that going to look? How are they going to come out, you might say? Yeah. How? Get it? Sam, how? (laughs) Thank you. I just wanted to sell that home. Yeah, man. Take us away, Wes. (laughs) 